Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our good friends. At Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket imports domestics microbrews. Best selection of beer anywhere and great specials now through Tuesday at Brewers Outlet. Miller High Life 30 packs, $14.95. Straw 12 pack cans, $7.97. Maybe you like wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And all together now, the pickle bar led by the barrels of the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Talk about great Sunbury Motors. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. Uh, former Celtic John Rondo does it to the Celtics in Boston last night. Ingram to the rim, all the way to the basket, blocked by Horford, balls loose, grabbed by Rondo, for the win, he got it, Rajon Rondo at the buzzer, a follow-away two-pointer, Lakers 129, Celtics 128, it's over on a game winner by Rajon Rondo, how do you like them apples? Lakers won last night, LeBron did a big three to tie the game uh, as well. LeBron. Yes, LeBron. Okay. So, a big win for the Lakers last night. Big one coming up tonight in college wrestling. And that would be Penn State and Ohio State. Penn State number one, Ohio State's number five. They will go at it tonight at St. John Arena. Let's go to Columbus and bring in Jeff Byers, the voice of Penn State Wrestling. Hello, Jeff. Uh, is, Thank you very it, much. Is tonight... Uh, what's the role of bonus points tonight? Yeah, I, I think it's everything, uh, Steve. I, you know, obviously both teams are hoping uh, to pull uh, an upset, uh, minor upsets perhaps, but uh, upsets uh, along the way. Uh, but on paper, it is a 5-5 uh, dual meet. I suspect it'll come out pretty close to that, and uh, then it obviously would come down to bonus points as it did a year ago. And listen, I think you know Ohio State. Uh, I think is looking at this uh, going in, saying we ought to get bonus points at uh, two or three weight classes. I think Penn State's going into this saying we ought to get bonus points at two or three weight classes. Uh, and I, I just think this is. Uh, really a kind of a toss-up dual meet. I, I think Penn State is the better tournament team uh, still, but I, I just think in a dual meet uh, format, and especially being in Columbus here, uh, this thing is as close to a true toss-up as you could have. If, ne- if Nick Lee were to win, what would that do to the dynamics of the dual meet? It swings everything significantly in Penn State's favor, Steve. Um, you know, there's... Uh, Still a little bit of question as to who's going to go at a couple of weights for Penn State. We have uh, somebody that's uh, 
a little uh, under the weather, I guess we'll say, with uh, flu-like symptoms. And if that individual doesn't go, then a, a Nick Lee or somewhere in those first four-way classes getting a win is going to be uh, huge here for Penn State because uh, you know I, some of the uh, not all of the mainstays, I guess I'll say, uh, I think will be there tonight uh, for Penn State, and that uh, that obviously puts a little more onus on everybody that does take the bat tonight. Obviously, Penn State's winning individuals are winning it's so like that's to the point where okay let's you and i nitpick for a moment all right because you know you're thinking big picture when you nitpick uh has there been a little bit of concern that even though they're winning they're not getting the number of bonus points in about in the past three weeks that we've come to expect yeah, I don't. I, I don't think as much concern with the Michigan meet, but I do think going back to the two previous weekends, Steve, that, that there is, uh, and I think Cal and the staff have been uh, fairly open about it that they um, are, are concerned. Not even necessarily bonus points per se, but that they're not wrestling with the passion and, and with the uh, the level of excitement that they want to see. Now, I thought they did do that against Michigan, uh, even though not a lot of bonus points. I think it had a lot more to do with just the talent sure. uh, on that Michigan roster. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, you're going to have to work for bonus points here tonight. But I, I do think that is a, a little bit of a concern in that, uh, you know, I think these guys have been around enough now that, uh, I, I think the coaches want to make sure they have an understanding that this isn't uh, a thing where you just turn it off and uh, turn it on uh, when the postseason rolls around. That it is a process, and uh, you know I think they they are working with, uh, through that with a, a couple of the kids and, and kind of making sure uh, that they are going out there with that uh, enthusiasm and, and having the fun that they uh, they are known for as a program, but uh, that they they really do enjoy each opportunity to compete uh, rather than kind of going through the motions. And I do think for some of them that uh, that was a very real concern uh, through the early part of uh, January coming out of the scuffle there. Is there the possibility, though, it's something else? Because you and I have been around athletes for a long time. Sometimes when you have success, and, uh, and it just happens, it's not, it's not deliberate. But then all of a sudden you start thinking like, okay, I've got something to lose. Yeah, I think there. I, I think this coaching staff does a good job of preventing that mentality from sneaking in. But I, yeah, I yeah, do but think, you know, but coaches do. Uh, coaches do a great job on all levels with that. I see. All, all, yeah. But it's still it's the individual as to what they no think. Question. No matter how much you drum it into them, like okay, don't act like you have something to lose. Just go. Right, I, and I think that is. Uh, I think that is a a very real concern in a couple of spots. Uh, with this team, and I think they're they're continuing to work through that. That it's uh, hey, but wrestle the way Jason Dolph or Bo Nick will do because they they don't uh, tighten up, but they they don't worry about who it is uh, that, that's across from them. The other thing that I think is factoring in there a bit uh, this year, Steve, it's just kind of an unusual circumstance. I, I'm not even sure you attribute it to anything just than the way things have developed this season, but like, take a guy like Nick Lee, like, he's only had, uh, I think it's two bouts all season against ranked opponents. I mean, the, the victory right. over Stewart last week uh, was just right. his second opportunity all year against a ranked opponent, the first one against a, a top 15 kid. Um, so, you know, you're you're going along, and Nick Lee's looking good, but, it, you know, I think Nick and, uh, and everybody watching, well, 
yeah, he is looking good. And, and even like a, a Bone Nickel just has not faced uh, a lot of ranked competition uh, this season. I think this will be his first match tonight. Obviously, the number two ranked kid in the country. I think it's his first matchup all season against the top ten kid. Wow. And it's not, you know, and Penn State's trying to go out of the schedule. You know, that's the, the whole idea of their schedule is to try yeah. – you know, you're obviously you have the Big Ten, and you're trying to schedule Arizona State's and Lehigh's with the idea. And it's just for some of the individuals, it's just kind of been a weird season, just the way it's worked out. But they just have not faced some of those uh, top ranked guys for Penn State. Just have not had a lot of uh, of big tests, and I think that's part of going back to your earlier question. I think that's part of it too. Is you know, these guys know they're getting tested in the room, and they're looking at the guys across the mat, and right. it's hard to get enthusiastic when you're facing a 500 kid, and, you know, you're a two-time national champion, three-time finalist. That's a great point. Uh, now, the next part is, I want to get to Vincenzo Joseph and, and Hall. Awesome wrestlers. Uh, but they don't, they don't, in the sense of, let's use a, uh, that team terminology, they don't blow people out, or at least they haven't quote been blowing people out this year. And and Vincenzo's always been like that. Uh, there's, But they always win. And you have to do it your own way. And so Mark and, and Vincenzo do it their own way. But is there any concern that they're, they're, they're so close to that line all the time that <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> make sure you don't cross it to the other side? Yeah, I think, I think with both of them, and for different reasons, there, there's obviously some concern along those lines, but I don't think a lot. In Mark's case, Mark is just so steady and just kind of understands where he's at and just has that kind of natural feel for things. And he's not a guy that will take unnecessary risks. And, you know, that you know guys like Jason Dolph and Bo Nickel will occasionally take what I would call unnecessary risk because <laughs> they just kind of want to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and listen, yeah Bo what, does. <laughs> yeah, and they're good enough that, uh, that, you know, 99 out of 100 times it, uh, it turns out well for them. Um, but Mark's a little more calculated with his game, but he just does not get himself out of position. Now, Vincenzo, I just think, has such a supreme confidence that uh, in – Hey, I will get the job done when it needs to be done. And and Chenzo, to his credit, has said he's he's got to work a little bit on on creating a little more action early. That first period has been right. a little bit of an issue for him in terms of uh, of scoring points. But um, you know, both of them are in weight classes where you know Mark Hall, obviously with Sahid Valencia and Miles Mead is not far behind. I, I think those are kind of the top three guys. 165 is just a loaded weight class. I mean, there are six or seven right. really good wrestlers there. And so I just think that uh, that margin for uh, Vincenzo is, is not going to be great. And, and it, uh, it is good that he has the, uh, the amount of close wins that he can kind of call upon uh, in those tight situations. And he is a guy that does seem to kind of thrive in <laughs> those late uh, close match moments. Yeah, that, that there's this fine line between genius and... <laughs> yeah, no question about it. I want to ask you about Kassar. Um, to me, Kassar, you can tell me if I'm wrong, obviously, because you never hesitate to know. <laughs> <laughs> Kassar, to me, is the perfect example of every athlete develops at their own rate. Yeah. Uh, in basketball, I'll give you an example. Anthony Davis, 
who's been the subject of now all the trade talk with the yeah. New Orleans Pelicans, yeah. was a 6'2 point guard in Chicago. And all of a sudden, boom, had a growth spurt. And wow, suddenly became this big man, but maintained his guard skills. Is Kassar the way he wrestles? I mean, he wrestles like a lighter weight. Is that just because of everything that he's been through to get to this heavier weight? Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. Kassar really reminds me in a lot of different ways of, of Kerry McCoy and, and when he was coming through. And I just remember, you know, I don't want to say Anthony was miserable last year, but that uh, that weight cut was not insignificant for him. And uh, and obviously having to, to be in that battle with, uh, with Shakur Rashid for the starting job and, uh, you know, a lot of pressure every time he, he went out just to try to kind of do what he could to establish himself as the guy at that weight. Uh, I think those two things combined, uh, again, I, it wasn't that he was miserable. Terry McCoy was miserable his freshman year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was just an unhappy kid. I, you know, his personality just was not uh, shining through uh, his first year. Kassar, the personality was there, but it, it, he was not uh, nearly as, uh, I, I guess, outgoing. Uh, and that is his natural personality as he is this year. I just think he feels so so comfortable, so confident with the, the heavyweight uh, spot. And he's talked about it. You know, the the thing with Anthony is he had to be so disciplined for so long, and that discipline is still there. I've, I've talked with a couple of folks about it that, you know, man, he must be great because he can just go out and eat anything he can. Theoretically, that may be true. That is not what Anthony Kassar is doing. He is on, uh, is on as strict a diet as anybody on this roster. It's just that he can eat, obviously, a lot more of it. But, I mean, he is really smart about the way uh, he approaches uh, everything here at this uh, heavyweight uh, position and I, I do think just there's a a mental uh, part of Anthony's game that I, I just think has uh, taken a, a huge step forward. Obviously, he's wrestling very well and he's made uh, some uh, technical adjustments as well. But I really think it's just that, that yeah. he feels good, he feels fresh, uh, he feels confident about what he's uh, able to do at the, at the heavyweight spot. And I mean, it's it's readily evident. He is just having a, an absolute ball this season. Well, all I know is that he. I, I, I think he, uh, you can tell me again, I think he has great footwork, and in terms of how he looks, he looks like he could take a Volkswagen and toss it over a hedge. Yeah. No, he, I mean, and he's, he's a workout uh, phenom. I mean, he, he loves uh, being in the weight room, and that's been kind of a battle for him over the last couple of years is, is kind of having to watch uh, how much mass he's putting on in that, that sort of thing. Obviously, he's not uh, concerned about that now, putting on as, as much as he can. Uh, and I just think, um, you know, his timing on those shots, his penetration has always been very good. I mean, going back to last year, we saw it with the matchup with Ohio State when he beat Colin Moore. But, he, I mean, he has a great – uh, you're right with his footwork. He, he does a great job of getting in deep uh, on his shots. And at the heavyweight level, it's you know the, the added advantage for him here is the quickness. So yes. you're combining that power that's always been there with now a quickness that not many heavyweights uh, can match. And I just think, uh, and again, he's another guy that can just really work and has a sense now for, okay, this is when I need to hit the shot. And, uh, man, if his uh, opponent raises just a little bit, Kasari's in on those legs and driving through, 
uh, and it's just been uh, obviously fun to watch. But it's you know it, it is uh, Kyle Snyder esque. Uh, not yeah. saying Kyle Snyder just yet, but I mean it, it yeah. does remind you of the way Snyder uh, would get in on the uh, opponent's legs and just capitalize. You know, just about every time he got in there. Well, over the years, people have asked me what's my favorite road arena in the Big Ten. You always get these questions out. You know, we just speak to groups. It's actually the one they don't play in. It's the one you're in tonight. St. John yeah. Arena was always my favorite. Going, it to, is. I love that place. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm kind of glad. I mean, uh, we wrestled with the shot a couple of years ago, and, and yeah. that was cool. No question yeah, about it. It's, but... And it's kind of like you know, right call in the Jordan Center. Jordan Center's deep. I'm glad they do that uh, once a year, but. Uh, I'm with you. I think St. John is just one of the, the coolest venues, yeah. and they should have a sellout or very close to it. I, I was, guess uh, there's a couple I, hundred shy right now. Are they? Sellout. I was told yesterday uh, when we were there last night, they told me it was sold out, so I don't know. Well, well they might. I, you, yeah. you might have more updated that than I did. I know uh, Tom Ryan was talking uh, yesterday afternoon, and he thought they were getting close. Yeah. Uh, last he had heard was it was a couple hundred shy. Now that was again yeah. probably mid afternoon. So they may very well. Uh, he was expecting it would sell yeah. out. Something else with the walk up crowd here tonight. Well, they're so. excited about it. And I can tell you that, Jeff. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And don't forget to down the road use your Hilton Garden points. You know it. <laughs> Count on it. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Jeff. Thank you, uh, Jeff Byers, joining us in Columbus. Uh, they didn't stay at the same hotel we did. That's that's what the running joke is. Because uh, we stay over at the Blackwell. And no offense, you get no points for staying at the Blackwell. But it is the it's Ohio State's um, Nittany Lion Inn, for the lack of a better term. The Fisher School runs it. They stay at the Hilton Garden Inn. Like, okay. Yeah. All right. Take a break. Come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is because it's Brewers Outlet time. The beverage supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. All right, great to have you with us on the show. Uh, Michigan's got Wisconsin tomorrow. That should be pretty good. It's interesting. Tomorrow night you're going to have in college basketball. And this is where James Franklin says, look, we've got to make sure that we're ahead on this curve all the time. He's absolutely right. You have to look at best practices and also what fits your organization. Uh, In college football, I want to be as old as possible in as many areas as possible, but especially in the trenches. That's where I want to be older. I want to be older in the trenches if I I can. Uh, Maybe it's safety. Obviously, you want to be older at quarterback, too, if you can. That really helps. Uh, you know, but there are other areas you can be young, and it's fine. You, I think you'd be running young at running back, wide receiver, even at, believe it or not, linebacker or corner. I think you can be. But the more experience you get, the better. Tomorrow in college basketball, you are going to get a great matchup between one and done 
and old. It's going to be Virginia hosting Duke tomorrow night. So the game that this they've already played it, Cameron, Duke won. Now they're going to be at John Paul Jones, which is that that's as nice an arena as I've ever been in. Uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia is an older team. They are not a one and done team. Duke, of course, is right now, like Kentucky, one of the quintessential one-and-done teams. They have several guys that are in the one-and-done category. I give Mike Krzyzewski a lot of credit to take a lot of young guys like that and mold them into playing team basketball at this level and playing team defense at this level takes coaching, believe me. Uh, It's not just as simple as, hey, they're one-and-dones, I roll the ball out. No. But Tony Bennett has always warped toward being the older team. So it's going to be an interesting contrast tomorrow night when they play in Charlottesville. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. And today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket, Miller High Life, Champagne, a bottle of beer, 30 packs, $14.95, Straub, 12-pack cans, $7.97, wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks, they roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day, and the pickle bar led by the barrels of the dills. Indeed, second to none. All brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Summary of the Beverage Supermarket. And one news note before we move on. Uh, to absolutely nobody's surprise, Justin Fields has been granted a waiver by the NCAA and can play quarterback this season for Ohio State. He transferred from Georgia. Ryan Day, the head coach at Ohio State, quote, I am happy for Justin and his family. You're also thrilled for yourself. <laughs> you had no starting quarterback. Now you do. I also want to express my appreciation to the NCAA for its assistance in getting this matter resolved efficiently and with such a positive outcome for Justin and our program. 
Uh, Field said, I want to uh, thank God for his guidance during this time of uncertainty. I want to thank the NCAA for its approval of the waiver to be eligible to play football this fall. Also want to thank all those who supported and encouraged my family and me during the process. While my case was pending before the NCAA, my family and I did not feel it was appropriate to publicly speak about the circumstances leading to my transfer. And they held to that. You have to give them credit. In my silence, people began to speculate, and the story took on a life of its own. Now that this matter is concluded, I'd like to clarify some facts. I have no regrets about my time at Georgia, and I have no hard feelings for the school or the football program. My overall experience at Georgia was fully consistent with Georgia's commitment to diversity and inclusion. My sister is a softball player at Georgia. I am still close with many friends at uh, Georgia and with my teammates, and a part of me will always be a Georgia Bulldog fan. Uh, Couldn't beat up Jake Fromm. Uh, That was part of the issue here. He, they, they tried to work him in. They, they actually worked hard to see if he could win the job, but he didn't. Uh, he threw for 328 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, now, this is where he can hurt you. 266 yards rushing in those 12 games and four touchdowns. SEC Freshman of the Week for his performance against UMass. Ran for 100 yards against UMass and threw for 121. You know, and they were blowing you up, UMass out so he could play more. And... Uh, of course, his most prominent moment was the ill-advised fake punt on a fourth and eleven, and he gained two yards of the play. So, there you go. Uh, it is no surprise at all, but Justin Fields is immediately eligible. And this goes back to what I was talking about before. The one area I'm taking a look at all these transfers, and I know there are a couple of mitigating circumstances here, but it is the the waiver. They're giving waivers left and right, as if they are afraid to not do it. Oh, so. Okay. Let's bring in the king. Hello. There he is. How's it going? What was your favorite Super Bowl commercial? Uh... I really didn't watch many of them, but I did see the one on 100 Years of the NFL, and I thought that was really good. I like the, the Harrison Ford one with the dog. Oh yeah, yeah he had yeah. a yeah he had an, an Alexa enabled yeah. collar. <laughs> Every time the dog barked, it ordered dog food. <laughs> more dog food, more treats. <laughs> yeah. That a tractor trailer pulls up in front of his house. It's just, Harrison Ford's reaction was just priceless. It was so funny. And he's walking up the spiral staircase. The dog is going up the spiral staircase, and he's yelling at the dog. <laughs> the dog's barking. Every time he barks, Alexis orders more dog food. <laughs> I don't think that ran until the post game show. It ran like two or three times on yeah, the post game. Yeah, they waited the run. I don't know why, yeah. but it was good. So. <laughs> that was good. And the football one was real good. So I, I tell you, the classic one, and I really believe they only showed it once during last year's Super Bowl, and it ended up on the Boomer Esiason show, number three, the one with uh, Eli Manning. And uh, uh, Odell Beckham, Beckham Jr. Jr. <laughs> and they're doing the Dirty Dancing song. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. hilarious. Uh, anyway, guy goes to, st- guy goes to step off the sideline goes, no, let him finish. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So, what did you guys think of the Super Bowl? 
At least so, it was compelling. Yeah, at least it was compelling into the fourth quarter. I mean, obviously, yeah, that, not a it lot was of a points. Floppy game, but you were waiting for someone to. You were just waiting. What's going to happen? You know, it was kind of like, who's going to be less sloppy? Well, so. This this when you're announcing a game like that, this is this is how you're thinking, and I've I've told my class this. Uh, everybody will always kid around with me about the 6-4 to four game that Penn State lost to Iowa in football in 2004 or about the 36-33 Big Ten tournament game Penn State won over Wisconsin. And I said, in the end, you look at the scores, you go, but when you're doing the game, you're always thinking that you're one possession away from the lead changing. And see, it gets to a point with does it matter that it's 96-93 or 36-33? The next shot could tie the game, right? It's 6-4. to four, A field goal can put you in front. Touchdown can change everything. Or you can put the game away. And yeah. So it gets to a point where with about five to eight minutes to go in the game, the margin becomes the big thing. It doesn't really matter what the overall numbers are. Exactly, because I'm one that I would rather watch that game than one where neither defense can stop the offense, and the offense is just going, both offenses going up and down the field. I don't find that entertaining at all. Uh, I I, I thought both defenses played fantastic, and, you know, who was going to... Who was going to come through? And the Patriots did. But um, I thought it was a good football game. Everybody said it was the worst one ever. I, you know, I thought I was. Both defenses were just had you know, brilliant I mean, game plans. So, well, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. Now let's talk about a. I don't like Big Twelve football. I remember watching TCU and Baylor, and we were on the road, and, and Jack and I were watching the game. And the two of us were like, we we're like, God, we we can't stand this. Like, you know, you know, somebody play some defense here. But the odd thing was is that when Kansas City played the Rams on that Monday night, uh, Dick Girardi, Jeff Tarman, and I—that's the game we watched in Mexico uh, because we were down there for basketball. And what was compelling about that game is there were defensive touchdowns in yeah. the game. I mean, that's why it wasn't all, like, up and down the field. Yeah, they went up and down the field, and the defenses made plays, too. Then that's a good football game. You know, yeah. that that's fine. I'm talking about, well, like when oh. Penn State played Ohio State and was winning, um, what was it, two, two years ago? And then suddenly their defense could not stop Ohio State at all. Oh, and right. You knew Fourth every time quarter. Ohio yeah. State got the ball, they were going to score a touchdown. That yes, I, I was, find very yeah. difficult to watch. I, I, I was sitting there. I was a witness. <laughs> well, no, and I'm not bringing it. I'm just saying that type of deal where there is nothing the defense can do to stop the offense, I find that more boring than two defenses playing really well and the offense trying to figure it out. Who's going to okay. make a mistake? I, as, gonna... as the person announcing it, I found it depressing. Yeah, <laughs> so... That was tough to watch and tough to yeah. listen to. So, but Anyway, good article on baseball. So. Uh, that, you know, I had Sweeney Murdy on the show yesterday. Yeah, sounds who, cool. Yeah, um, who covers the uh, Yankees and, and Sweeney's an old steakhouse. I've known Sweeney since his uh, 
State College days. Mm-hmm. And he was on MLB Network with John Smoltz, Ron Darling, and Brian Kenny. And Brian Kenny, of course, is over the top when it comes to uh, analytics. I mean, you know, I mean, he will argue with you right to the very end about analytics. I think analytics have an absolute place, but it can't be the be all end all. What uh, analytics be, mean? I don't get that. Uh, analytics involve you know all the stats that determine how you put together a batting order, all the stats that, you know, how long do you leave a pitcher in? What are the stats uh, facing a batter the second time, a third time? Tampa Bay uses a, at times, what they call an opener, a relief pitcher to start the game. Yeah, uh, I, I, I didn't get that out of that article at all. I don't, I don't. What I got out of that article was the Major League Baseball Union has too much power, way too much power. They should not be dictating or have a vote on what the rule changes should be. I don't. Uh, that, that's what I got from it. Um, uh, th- I'll take a different viewpoint. I think it's really, really good to consult the people that play the game. Like, let's let's see how you feel about this. Yeah, but it's not rocket science. We've all been playing baseball since we were little kids. You know, yeah, but yeah, but see, they 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 know they have a problem right now. Yeah, they they got to speed the game up. Yeah, and so but it shouldn't be the player's decision on what they can and can't do. I own a company here, and it's a crappy company. All said, but boy, when the machine breaks, everybody goes home. And oh, do you got my check? You know, I. That, no, they don't have a say in it. I don't. They, I the, no, the players no get a big paycheck, and why should they have a say in what the how the league wants to run the the game? Go go out well, and play. You know? I'll give you. I'll give you an example though, Kev. Like in my job, you know, because I've done it for a long time. Every once in a while, they'll say, "Hey, hey Steve, we have an idea. What do you think of this?" Oh, that's different. Right. That's not I mean, what that, the that, union that's, has power, right? You know, right, but that's we all relying... do that. I'm not saying you don't ask opinions, but the decision should be made by the people running it, not by the people who are getting paid. Well, they are, but they they the people running it are going to make the decision. They're talking to the union about it to say, look, this is what we're thinking of doing. That's what they're doing. Well, it says, will the Major League Baseball union agree? The collective they're, they're, bargaining and this, all this other crap. I don't even know what half of it well, means. It's just, I, well, I, I get, do I'll, know that somebody like, who's the guy who's the hothead who wants to sign a $500 million contract? With Bryce the, Harper. He played for, um, yeah, Bryce Harper. Um, if you're an owner and you're paying him a half a billion dollars, are you going to listen to his gripes? Not me. Uh, not me at all. You go gripe someplace else. I, my <laughs> job is to pay you. Your job is to do what I tell you to do. That's my only way of looking at it. Um, well, Sean, I think you and I much power. You, Unions Sean, you, were formed to protect employees, to keep them from getting injured, to get them health benefits, to get, not to suddenly dictate how the company is going to be run. That's right. when it all went downhill. When Dad was on strike at Pratt & Whitney, that's what that strike was all about. 
It was about protecting the employees, keeping them away from asbestos, keeping them, getting them health care, getting normal raises, not this is how we should run the business. No way. And that's what what I got out of reading that article. As far as the changes they're going to make, you know, they're good. Universal DH, big deal. Um, They should have done that a long time ago. Lowering the mound, I don't get at all. What's wrong with the mound where it is? uh, Lowering the mound, I think, is a very touchy subject. Uh, Lowering the mound, by the way, is to get more offense into the game. But you got to be careful with that because lowering the mound could possibly lead because you can get more injuries off a flat surface than a mound. Right. Actually, Actually, and that's why that one's tricky. Uh, that's why I'm not for lowering the mound. They lowered the mound 50 years ago, okay, and it's been fine. But you can't do this from getting closer to a flatter surface because it actually is going to lead to more pitching injuries. Because throwing that hard with the torque they have, they've got to do it somewhat downhill on a flat surface. It's going to lead to more injuries. So that one's tricky. I think you're the right. Pitch, yeah. The pitch clock, pitch clock. Look, I I have always been one that has been, look, get the ball and pitch, get in the box and hit. Okay? I mean, all this mumbo-jumbo, and it is mumbo-jumbo. Okay, I've got a big, big draft. Okay, i got to go in, and i got to focus. Give yourself, will you just get in the box and hit? Well, am I wrong by saying that they already tried to do this? And the players just kind of said, yeah, right, and they did it for a little while, and then the umpires started ignoring it, and it went right yes. back to the way it was Of again. course. Of yeah. course. And that's, that, the biggest issue is always going to be, like I, I've talked about this in college basketball, the first two weeks of next season, every time you flop, because people flop left and right, I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm a lousy, you know, most of these guys that flop are lousy defenders. That's why they flop. I, I mean, I'd be embarrassed to flop. I mean, I would be. That would be telling everybody I stink at what I do. But these guys flop, and to me, the first two weeks of next season, every time you flop, you get a technical foul. That I will stop today. it. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's, that's another issue for another day. Uh, you, you've fallen a lot in your I life. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but they should be hit with technical fouls, and it would stop it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right flopping. in the NBA, in the NBA, you know how they get rid of flopping, which college which college can't do, they find them. Yeah, and doesn't hockey have a flop rule? Yep, and they have yep. a flop rule, and you know, it's interesting because last night in the game I did at Ohio State, a couple guys flopped and led to wide open shots. The last three games I've done, Kevin, yep. every time a guy has flopped, there's been no call. All right, every time, and, and like I'm sitting courtside for goodness sakes, I can see them flopping. Yeah. All right, uh, and every time wasn't called, and it led to a wide open shot. And this is what I'm referring to as the Brad Davison rule. This kid at Wisconsin's been getting charges left and right, left and right, and he's been flopping his brains out all season. For two years, he's flopped. Well, now they won't call a single thing on him. Right now, you could bulldoze Brad Davison, and there'd be no call. <laughs> they won't. They won't give it to him anymore. I'm talking. You could gear up and hit the gas as hard as you want in the bulldozer and plow him, 
and they won't call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, to me, it's just not complicated. A rule's a rule, and follow it. And I don't. I, I, I don't, you know, that's what I got out of the article. I, and some of the time, it doesn't make any sense to me to penalize the weak teams. Now you will not create any parity at all. Um, well, the weak teams, have, this is where the weak teams have made huge mistakes. Throwing that games. Lux, that, no, 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 no. That luxury tax... Yep. That the Red Sox pay all the time, the Yankees pay all the time, the Dodgers pay all the time. They buy that, boats with it. <laughs> right. They keep the money. Yeah. The job of that was to so that you can now go out and you can get another yep. player. You can fill a couple of holes. And those teams have consistently kept the money and have not spent it. Yep. And it's, and that's why the, the Yankees have been the single most vocal about it, and the Yankees have been right about it. Steinbrenner was furious about it, and he was he right. Was like, yeah, yeah, he was right. He ran his his team like a business, you know, and he paid his tax. And then he watched these guys squander it. They would go; that would be part of their profit for the year, you know. And they wouldn't buy players. But the article, I read an off article on the article. Sean asked me to read, the, and it was the. Um, idea that teams were once they were out of the playoffs and all that they started tanking games so they could get better draft picks. You know? Well, in baseball that doesn't matter. I mean, the baseball draft is such a roll of the dice. Yeah. I mean, Mike Trout was the twenty seventh pick in the draft. Yeah. Don Mattingly, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean Mike Piazza was a sixty first round pick. Yeah. And it, 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 there's always such a, it's a longer road in baseball to get to the majors. There's too many twists and turns. I mean, I, I mean, I know the guys that have come through here. I mean, I know what it's been like for them. Mm-hmm. Well, now NBA, NBA and the NFL's different. Baseball draft, it's it's three to six years. Yeah, you're right. Okay. You throw all the the games you want. All right. Have a great weekend, Sean. Be good. Till next week. Thanks, Sean. Sean, you and I better not unionize. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.